You see, AJ Styles, the truth is, in your heart, you know, you feel much more comfortable being on the road and living out of a suitcase than you ever have being a husband to your wife. It's the sacrifice, AJ. I, I understand. I get it. You, my friend, you have put being a champion above all else, even if it means you're a failure as a father. Because after I'm done tearing down your house, after I'm done putting you to sleep, oh, your wife and kids, they'll have their daddy back. But I will be WWE champion. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. You wanna smack down? You wanna smack down? You wanna smack down? You wanna smack down? Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. John Pollock, Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? I'm doing all right. How are you? Well, we have a bigger concern even than how you're doing. Everybody out there is listening with bated breath. How is your laptop? How is Wei Jr.? Rest in peace. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, it's not good. I booked my appointment at the Apple Store today, uh, and the uh, diagnosis was not good. Uh, but I mean, I don't know what else I should have expected for a seven-year-old computer. Had a good Somebody, run. yeah, I really did. Somebody directed me to an actual website that calculates your computer's age in human years. It's actually called computerinhumanyears.com. So thanks, Jamie, for that. And my computer, God bless its soul, <laughs> was a hundred and eleven years old. One hundred and eleven years old. Oh my God! Are you serious? I guess so, yeah. Okay, I've got to try this now. So I'm on the site. I, I've i got a rough estimate here. So, oh my god, mine is 61! How long have you had it? I've had this one for... Well, I had the motherboard replaced. So does that count as a brand new computer? Uh, You know what? I don't know. I imagine that's kind of like getting a heart transplant, uh, maybe a brain transplant. I don't know if that really extends the, the rest of the life. Okay, so I have a much. wide range then. My, my computer is either 61 or it's 11. <laughs> How is it uh, 11 human years since December? That's crazy. Um, Yeah, I mean, computers age that fast, I guess. Wow. Well, never ask a computer its age. It's rude. How else are you doing? How's uh, how's life? How's uh, how's your Tuesday? Uh, was today a very stressful day with the the laptop saga? Um, no, I mean otherwise it was totally fine. Nothing nothing that major. How how about yours? Uh, today was uh, rode my bike. That was to fun. where? Uh, to the office that I I work out of occasionally. So that was fun. And okay. Then I, and then I wrote news way. That's that's what I did all day. I came home and I watched SmackDown. That was my Tuesday. That's well, why. I, what? That's why I ask you because you probably have way more entertaining answers than me. No, I I, I leave a pretty lead a pretty boring life. But uh, what kind of news did you write about today? Well, funny you should ask because I have my my daily news update right in front of me, and I thought we'd try this where we'd go through a few of the news items. Of course, you can always go to postwrestling.com to read about this stuff more in depth, but we don't always get Way's reaction to a lot of the news that is going out there. Uh, I will chime in as well. Uh, we start off, uh, Jerry Lawler wasn't really interviewed uh, by this station in Memphis. He had a, this reporter called him, and Jerry Lawler was just you know uh, conveying the fact that you know, they really appreciate all the support from all the people out there about the passing of uh, Brian Christopher, Brian Lawler. The funeral is going to be this Friday. And the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is looking into Brian's death. And while Lawler said he can't go into any of the specifics about the investigation, he said that, quote, there may be more to this than meets the eye. Just kind of a ominous statement to make. And granted, yeah, there's nothing known about this investigation until it's over, but uh, Lawler did bring up that point. Hmm. Interesting. 
continue to go down here. We've got the G1 continuing on Wednesday. Way and I are going to have a show up Wednesday afternoon, as well as Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, we've got the B Block, which is going to feature Kota Ibushi against Hiroki Goto in the main event. Uh, the WWE, they announced a new agreement with their Australian television partner. And I bring this up because I was going into the back end of our siteway and looking at all our uh, numbers and stuff. Like Australia, there are a lot of people from Australia that come to our site. And I'm not surprised by this because I feel whenever we go to our feedback, there's always feedback from Australia. I think there's a pretty heavy concentration of Australians that listen to our show and go to our website. Wow. Yeah, that kind of surprises me. Um, Hello. Good day. Yeah. All of you in Melbourne or Sydney or Adelaide or Brisbane. Brisbane, there's another one. Let's not forget our friends in New Zealand. Of course. Well, in reading about this, uh, the WWE, they announced that they had renewed their uh, their television agreement in Australia. Uh, and I imagine this this blankets the all of Australia. Raw airs live uh, in the time slot, which is 10 a.m. Tuesday mornings. And SmackDown airs live Wednesday mornings on Fox 8, which is owned by uh, Foxtel. So with this new agreement, they are going to have repeat airings of Raw and SmackDown in prime time, which I think is a pretty big deal. And then Fox Sports is going to be airing one-hour edited versions of each show in prime time later in the week. So as we talk about you know, fans in Australia that will send us feedback, like the way to follow WWE is – granted, I'm sure they have uh, you know, DVR technology. But these are airing in the morning at 10 a.m., the two flagship shows of the WWE. That's not so bad. You Could get you home, you can watch it. Yeah, but uh, how many people are doing that? Are you really attracting a lot of new fans with a, a 10 a.m. airing Monday or Tuesday and Wednesday? Hmm, so, I'm not sure. Anyway, I think this is a pretty big upgrade, the fact that they're going to air in prime time as well for regular people uh, to watch them. Not that anyone that's listening to this is not a regular person, just I'm meaning uh, outside of the uh, the wrestling bubble, I guess. Wednesday, tickets are going to go on sale for the New Japan return to Long Beach, California. They're going back to the Walter Pyramid, which holds 4,700 people. Wade, how many tickets do you feel they will sell on Wednesday? Will they sell this building out on day one? Will they sell it out, period? I think they will sell it out. I think with the promise of uh, Kenny Omega headlining the show as a champion, defending this belt, I'm assuming. Uh, I think They haven't announced well. anything. I don't think they've even listed names for this. Mm. I think, I, I think it's a safe, safe assumption. Safe. Yeah, I, I think they'll do well. I think they will sell that out. Yeah, I think they will sell it too. I don't think they're going to have too much trouble. It wouldn't even surprise me a first day sellout. Although, I think this is one where people are curious to see uh, how well it does. Um, this one. What, way, do you have an early prediction of what what headlines that show? I don't know if they'll do a title match. I could see them doing so. Coming up after the G one, they're going to do three destruction shows in September. And then they're going to do this Long Beach show on the final Sunday of September, September 30th. So Kenny Omega, he's probably going to defend his title at King of Pro Wrestling, which is a week after the Long Beach show. I guess you could do a title defense in Long Beach as well, which I think would have to be set up in the G1, uh, you would think. Um, hmm. I'm just, I just don't know who that could be. Like, who does he have left? He has matches Zach. with Yano, Ishii. Kota Ibushi, and Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. could win on Wednesday's show, and that could headline Long Beach. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, certainly. Uh, but, you know, then again, Juice Robinson has a whole lot of defenses coming up as well. Well, yeah, the U.S. title, uh, he's got defenses. As you said, going into 2019, he's got a very busy year of title defenses mm-hmm. after all of this. So on Monday, uh, it was reported by TMZ about the split way between John Cena and Nikki Bella. Well, what did they say? Well, on Tuesday, Nikki Bella released a statement to People Magazine. Quote, After I called off the engagement, we tried to work on our relationship to get back to where it was, and in order to move forward with our wedding. After much time and soul-searching alone and together, we have decided to officially part ways. I had a beautiful and loving six-year relationship with a wonderful man. I have the utmost respect for John, but I know this is what's best for me. End quote. Okay. Yep. So that's the end of that. Wow, that's that's the end of the relationship. You believe this is it? It's done. 
I mean, people can always get back together, but uh, for now, it seems pretty concrete. What do you think? This sounds pretty. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being naive. This this sounds pretty uh, final for now. Final for uh, to be going to this length. I, I, I would I take this as legitimate. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I really need to talk to a, a Hollywood reporter out there, someone that deals in the entertainment news. I mean, do do actors and actresses do they is like People Magazine uh, something that do they get worked? Do do actors try and put out false stories? I'm sure false stories are are plenty out there, but I would be curious just the whole culture of entertainment news and kind of uh, People Magazine's role uh, as one of the heavyweights in that industry. Be very interesting to to learn more about. It's possible. I, I guess at this point, I'm just not really sure what pretending to be broken up would gain anybody. No, it's um, I guess if. If you are to believe that th- these two are, are broken up, do you think this ends total Bellas? Do you think that that uh, has no, not at all repercussions uh, on the reality series? Well, sure, yeah, I think that the reality series is a, is, is an attempt to document whatever you know big events happen in their lives, and certainly uh, somebody leaving a six year relationship with a very notable person that we've all followed on that show, I think, is a very notable event. So. Do you, do you see John being then eliminated from the series? Because he really has no role then. Well, they do have access to him. He is kind of under contract. Do they tease it? Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I think any, they could. anything could really happen. Impact has signed Rich Swan to a long-term contract. A good move by Impact? I think so. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Jado is also out with an injury from the, uh, the rest of the G1. He was working undercard tag matches. And... On the MMA front, uh, Conor McGregor was out in the street, and uh, a street journalist who's uh, very well-known, this guy, Adam Glynn, uh, caught up with uh, Conor McGregor, and I saw photos of this way. I mean, this could be your future career. He's got his, his, uh, his camera, and he's following Conor, and Conor just puts his headphones on and starts running, so the guy jogs with him, and he's jogging into traffic and nearly gets hit by a car, and he's trying to interview Conor, who starts answering questions about how close he is to finalizing his next fight. Uh, he stated that it probably won't be in New York. It'll be in Las Vegas, so that would uh, lend you to believe either October 6th or December 29th, but uh, this video, I placed it in the update and it's something to watch this guy's dedication to get this quote from conor mcgregor and nearly killing himself in new york traffic well i hope he was paid well for that work i mean his video landed on tmz so i I imagine that uh he sold this video for a a pretty penny how do you feel about the the whole incident with with conor mcgregor he pled last week guilty to one misdemeanor uh for this is for the uh the dolly attack back in april he's gonna have to do five days of community service one to three days of anger management i guess it's uh something to negotiate and he will have to pay restitution for the damage caused to the bus the bus is going to get damages for all this man i think he got off really light beyond light beyond light if he was anybody but conor uh his career would be over and yeah, I mean, that's it's a bit it rings a, a, a just hypocrisy, I would say, for uh, the UFC and preferential treatment. But, you know, that's the way the world works. How do you position? Let's say the, the fight is announced in the next week or so. It's Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov, which everyone is led to believe is the fight that they make. Do how do you feel about them designing a promo where that bus footage is used? Because there's the side of me that I see any promoter using that. I just feel it's really tasteless to use it. But how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's it. it I completely agree that I think it would send a terrible message. Um, You're basically man. incentivizing guys that, hey, if you do something – like this is beyond breaking the law. Like it was causing legitimate harm on other people. Mm. Like it's a ugly, ugly scene and it's almost like you're – Winking at these fighters, saying, "Well, if you're a big star, we, we can make money off of this." But I mean, you know, like the behavior—not this bad, but 
I mean, behavior of kind of this nature in the past have been used um, for them to, to sell fights and, and for them to profit off of. Like just even I'm thinking, you know, Jones and Cormier uh, at that at that weigh in uh, or that press conference. Um, Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear. I mean, yeah. the, the fight promotion is hardly uh, 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 an area of, you know, clean promotion mm-hmm. that doesn't make you feel odd and dirty inside. And I argue, you know, like from the the, the perspective of of, a, of an audience, mm, how many people watching don't necessarily care about necess- you know the well being of any of the fighters or the endangerment of any of the people in that situation, and perhaps are more excited about this fight because of an incident like that. I would say the vast. I don't want to say the vast majority. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think a real healthy amount of people. Um, they love Connor regardless of, of what he does. Um, there, there's a lot of people who backed him instantly saying he was standing up for his friend. That's what you do for friends when you're when they're disrespected, uh, which they believe that Artem Lobov had been that week by Nurmagomedov's camp. Right. OK. I mean, the fact that we're even talking about it suggests that there's a lot more interest even, you know, beyond the fact that this is another Connor McGregor fight. But the fact, the fact that we can really believe in this rivalry between these two. So. It, whether inadvertent or intentional, I think it's already benefited them greatly. All right. So if you want to catch up with all of the news, you can read more in depth in all those stories. Go to postwrestling.com as we now uh, segue into SmackDown from Tampa, Florida on Tuesday night at the Amelie Arena. And first of all, I wrote this down because I don't want to forget. I want to give a special shout out to two of our listeners, Shane and Christian who are on their honeymoon as we speak. Oh, yes. Cool. We met them actually at a Ring of Honor um, in Miami or Florida. Uh, Pretty sure. Last year? Yes. For last Supercard year. Of yeah. Honor? Yes. yes. I remember they came up to us and they asked you for an ultimate thrill ride. That's right. So I, I do remember those two. Congratulations to yes. the two. They're on their honeymoon and they sent a photo on Twitter that they were listening to our G1 shows. So I mean, mm. the, the perfect honeymoon. Yeah hearing us rant and rave about red shoes. So the show kicked off with Renee Young bringing out Becky Lynch. And Becky talked about waiting for so long for something you doubt it's ever going to happen. She hasn't been champion since December of 2016, hasn't had a title match since WrestleMania 33, and she couldn't sleep after beating Carmella because of what it means to be a champion. And says she was not born to be a champion, she fought to be one. And she wants to go to the Evolution pay-per-view as the champion and gets interrupted by Carmella and she comes out and she says Becky earned her opportunity and it wasn't until the end of last Tuesday's show she realized how important the evolution pay-per-view will be she must have caught up on raw from the night prior Carmella said we are now representing every single woman that ever stepped foot into a WWE ring which I feel is going to morph into just representing every single woman period by October 28th she feels that she has failed as a representative. They shouldn't be tearing each other down. And the fact is, it comes from a place of jealousy on Carmella's behalf. Because Becky has always been a step ahead. She was told in NXT she would only be a manager. Meanwhile, Becky was part of the Four Horsewomen. And she would give Carmella advice. And Becky was the first woman drafted to SmackDown Live. While Carmella wasn't just the last woman picked. She was the last overall pick in the draft. And the audience has always loved Becky, and most of them don't feel that she deserves to be champion as she's tearing up. And the crowd uh, partially is chanting, no, you don't. And people tell her she sucks online, and she wishes Becky good luck and hopes that the two tear the house down. And then James Ellsworth's music plays, and Carmella Looks to the screen, Becky is distracted, and then Carmella nails her from behind. Hits her with a kick, brought out a chair for a DDT, and this prompted Charlotte, who has been cleared to return, ran down for the save, kicked the chair out of the hand of Carmella, and hit a suplex. Um, First of all, Becky Lynch is just such a tremendous babyface. I feel I say this every single week, but she is something incredible that they have. She's a she's a character. I think the fans are organically behind, and I'm really happy to see that the writing is finally reflecting that. I thought she was great here. She was scripted really well. This was the kind of promo that I think 
is the, the exact type of character development that she's been looking for for a long time now. Segments like these seem so much more effective than just giving her these random wins over various people. And, you know, she needs to talk. She needs to convey her personality to engage people. And, and, and in the end, they'll make the matches more uh, interesting. Yeah, just a, a great, great babyface promo. And conversely, Carmella, she was great. Um, if I'm going to nitpick a little, it seems that they really are falling in love with this style with Carmella and Alexa Bliss of the the false babyface promo for the big swerve at the end, which the, both women pull off very well. It's just it's something you don't want to pull out too often uh, and overuse that. And I feel they they've used it for both women. Um, Quite a bit over the last little while, but I thought Carmella was great here. I thought so too. I mean, I, I agree with that criticism. I think it's kind of Carmella's best trick, maybe one of her only tricks. Um, it's it is also Alexa's best trick, and you know, I kind of like it better when Alexa does it. But nonetheless, I don't necessarily see this Carmella championship run lasting too much longer, so I, I can excuse one more instance of it being used. And I thought she really used it well here. She, you know, this was a promo that I think everybody saw, uh, knew where, where it was headed. But nonetheless, she, in this promo, outlined exactly her motivations for why she dislikes Becky. She's she's always been overlooked. She's jealous of Becky. So I just thought really good scripting, very good delivery from Carmella. I'm already way more invested in this program than I was with Carmella and Asuka. Oh, this tonight's show, this promo was even better by the end of the show. And this was like this was the A storyline on Tuesday's show was the mm-hmm. women's title program. It was the the most featured program for the entire two hours. Then they showed a shot of Samoa Joe backstage just staring into this camera with the look of death. And then they cut to Jeff Hardy, who's getting ready in the, in the locker room with his headphones on. What a way to just kind of uh, no sell this ear injury. What kind of headphones were they? They were the they were the the Beats. They were covering his whole ear. I mean, at least have the yeah. earbuds in or something. I mean, come on, you're selling a, an ear that was nearly ripped off. Then you got your headphones on. There's no problem here. I've never had my ears ripped off and attempted to put headphones on, so I, I can't really say. I have, I have, I had this. Oh, okay. uh, I've had earrings ripped out um, by my nemesis many, many times. And I never wear headphones immediately after such an attack. The Usos were somewhere in a boiler room, and they cut a promo. Uh, Jay did did a rock-style promo about turning an object sideways and sticking it up their candy. And then he's cut off with Jimmy noting, it's PG-13. And Jay said, I'm just trying to get my rock on. And between Raw and SmackDown, there were three... Separate references to The Rock. Certainly. I don't think are coincidences that they are no. heavily readying people for a, a Dwayne Johnson uh, cameo appearance or outright return uh, at some point. When, mm-hmm. when is the question? But anyway, it was it, they were really hitting you over the head with Dwayne Johnson stuff tonight. I could expect it for SummerSlam. As a surprise? Yeah. Uh, very possible. Um do you have a scenario that would be the best way to uh, to have him come as a surprise? I feel Elias is kind of um, the one that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I hope they keep him far away from Roman. I know that didn't work the first time. I don't think it would work this time either. Uh, who else made mention of him on the show besides the Usos? It was yeah, Daniel uh, Bryan brought him up. Yeah, there. I don't see any association there. No, no. I think Elias is a great one, um, especially if they could come out and. Elias is doing his concert, and then The Rock comes out and does his own concert. Something like that. That The crowd will eat up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had Paige on her phone. Carmella complains about Charlotte, and Paige believed her message out there. And she should be ashamed. Carmella just laughed. <laughs> you got worked. And she's uh, something that Paige will never be, the champion. And Paige then says, well... As the champion, you have to overcome odds. And that's what you're going to do tonight because you're taking on Charlotte. And if Charlotte wins, she will be part of a triple threat match for your title at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I love that line of Carmella saying that Paige 
will never be champion again because it was just it's it's, it's one of those like really deep cutting lines that you can really use to justify the GM who's otherwise a babyface kind of making this overreaction in a decision to stack the odds against the heel's favor you know she really angered Paige and I think it took a line like that to really uh justify it look at the lines and the promos that landed tonight from Carmella's dis- description of NXT for herself to just that throw not a throwaway line but the line Carmella used on Paige the stuff with Miz and Brian even Samoa Joe's stuff about AJ it was all connected to Things you can buy as being real with those performers and not made up criticisms or made up insults. It was all attached to real things that you're just exploiting for great lines. And completely. And I think that worked throughout this show. Yeah, I thought this edition of SmackDown, the writing on it, felt a lot more sophisticated than previous. Uh, it was certainly compared to Raw and even previous editions of SmackDown. The Usos took on uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Shisaro. Uh The New Day came out before the match, and they have a custom announcer's desk, all in orange, with pancakes. And what they would do throughout, because I think everyone had the same concern I did, that we are going to have six people talking over one another for the next 15 minutes. But they would just fade between the two. When they'd come back from break, they'd show one, pan to the other, and they'd kill the volume of the announced team that is not on camera. And the New Day, for all I know, called this entire 15-minute match that I hope they're going to release in some form because you heard them for about a minute total in this match, and it seemed like they called this entire match on their own. I think both teams did. Yeah. It seemed like both teams were instructed to just straight up call the match and leave it to the director to switch between the two. I didn't like that idea. I thought it was really awkward transitioning between the two. I mean, I would kind of be stuck on wanting to hear the New Day just call the match because they were very funny and they seemed doing it. But then I, I'd be brought over to the to the other commentators with neither kind of get, receiving the throw or, or making reference to the other. I found it really awkward and I wasn't a big fan of it. Oh, By the time Big E was going crazy, I wanted to have the New Day as an option on New Japan World. Imagine him calling uh, the final nights at... Uh at Budokan? Oh, he'd be fun. Early on, they went through the commercial, and then we come back. Cesaro and Sheamus kept Jay away for the longest time, and then Sheamus ran shoulder first into the post. That allowed Jimmy to get tagged in. Cesaro rolled to the floor to avoid the hip attack, so instead, uh, Jimmy hit a tope and then super kicked Cesaro on the floor. Jimmy was thrown into the barricade. Second commercial break. This featured our promo for tonight's episode of Miz and Mrs., where Miz and his dad have to go get a $1,000 cake. And, of course, the hijinks ensues with the two uh, slamming on the brakes in the car and the cake falls forward because it's been placed on the back seat on its own. Yeah, what idiots. And then we had, I guess this was a baby shower, and we got the reveal of the Miz and his missus with a couple's nude photo together. Yeah, they took this photo on the first edition. Oh, and then we got this, yeah, glass-framed nude photo for everybody to see. This looks like the most ridiculous show. <laughs> but I won't lie. It's <laughs> Mrs. Dad in enough of these promos. I, I will probably relent and watch one of them. I could watch Mrs. Dad do anything. Well, let me know if you watch it. I will. I will. I'm probably not. We come back to the match. Jay stopped a double-team superplex, and then Jimmy hit a corkscrew coming off the top. We cut to the New Day, who are rewarding this match five pancakes. They didn't mention any any milk or flour or syrup on top of the pancakes, but I think five pancakes sounds like a pretty easy system to understand. Clearly taking a page out of the WH sandwich rating system. It must be, yes. Uh, the white noise gets set up, but then Cesaro, he goes for a super version of it by coming off the middle rope, and as he comes down, he's met with a super kick. Sheamus then uh, is super kicked. Cesaro makes a big save. New Day is losing their minds. They, the Usos climb to opposite corners for splashes. Jay leaps off into an uppercut, and then Sheamus gets his knees up as Jay lands on them and is cradled. 15.05. Super match, I thought here, um, to... One of our three matches on SmackDown, but crowd was really hot for this. And my God, this was night and day from our opening uh, 20-minute match on Raw Monday night. 
I thought this was a really hot match. It, it's so nice to see both teams back. They really got this card early on, and they never lost them until the finish. Uh, for me, my only negative was the constant transitioning between the commentary that really kind of mm, distracted me from watching this match. But it's a very small thing. I think the tag team division on SmackDown is just so much healthier than the one on Raw. Oh, it's uh, it's a 10-7 in favor of SmackDown. I didn't mind the announcing that much. I was worried they were going to have all six together, which I couldn't have imagined for this length of a match. They kept it very short and wasn't too distracting to me. I really didn't mind it at all. Uh, then they did a stare down in the ring with the bar and the New Day, uh, which sets up next week's final and the winner going to SummerSlam, which, given the WWE SummerSlam booking, uh, are you prepared for a three-way way? Between these three teams. Because I feel that's their go-to for so many of these programs is just, mm. well, we have these contenders. Everyone's in the match. I think they made such a big deal out of the uh, tournament that I wouldn't necessarily see that happening. Well, what do you see as the outcome next week? I think it has to be the New Day. I don't know. They've just brought the bar back, but that's kind of um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could I could definitely see a three-way out of all of this. Uh, just to sure. them all. Sure, why not? Renee interviewed Charlotte in her locker room. She said she had just shown up here to support Becky. Didn't even think she would be at SummerSlam, even though she had done an interview uh, recently saying she was cleared in time to be at SummerSlam. And... She is aware she has lost twice to Carmella, and she's ready to regain her throne and woos. Then our Sonic spot. I don't know what they're doing with these Sonic spots, but on Monday, we got those great Mr. Perfect vignettes. And then tonight, to plug Sonic, we got some of the, the great Ted DiBiase spots, the Million Dollar Man ads. Um, I don't really know what the connection is between the Million Dollar Man bullying children with this two ninety nine meal promotion that Sonic is advertising, uh, but it was still fun to watch these. I don't think there's any relation. I think they're just – I mean clearly somebody is just uh, – this one for this one maybe a bit more of a wrestling fan. And I think they're just attempts to make you pay attention to the Sonic logo. Samoa Joe came out and – he said he sent a message to AJ Styles last week, and he respects Styles and the house that he's built, which, uh, coincidentally, this is the arena that AJ Styles debuted in at the Royal Rumble. Okay. He says that AJ has made the WWE title the most prestigious in WWE, which they are uh, clearly pushing because that's been mentioned uh, now twice in a uh, two weeks in a row. They're bringing that fact up. He says that AJ has put being a champion in front of everything including his own family. And he brings up the comments AJ made about his daughter last week and said that he's barely home enough to hug her, much less look into her eyes. And he feels more comfortable being on the road than being at home as a husband to your wife. And he's put being a champion in front of everything, even if it means becoming a failure as a father. So Joe's going to do him a favor and take all of it from him. And when everyone is cheering on AJ at SummerSlam, his family is going to be quietly rooting for Joe. And he said, I'm going to tear your house down, put you to sleep, and then your kids can have their daddy back. But he will be WWE champion. I love this. This was so great. Oh, man. I was about oh. to give a standing ovation from my living room for Samoa Joe here. I thought this was one of the best promos I've heard all year from a WWE performer. It might have been one of my favorite. It may be my favorite Joe promo of his career because I can't necessarily think of too many ones that stand out. He's had um, some really good ones this year, but this one, even during the Brock Lesnar feud, he had some good stuff. But this one certainly stood on its own. I was waiting for him right at the end to say, top that juice. Oh, yeah, sure. I think for Joe, I mean, this all comes at a time when he needs performances like this the most. He is about to be in a WWE title match at SummerSlam against AJ Styles. I mean, arguably one of the maybe the most high profile match of his career. So he needs to catch people's attention and really give his best effort for anything he's doing. If he has any hope of convincing the higher ups of giving him a big title run coming off of this. I thought he just showed again, proved himself to be one of the best promos on in in the in the company right now, and I think they, it'd be a big mistake to not give him a, a title run uh, after this feud with AJ. I just saw your text message you, you sent me. I hope you didn't uh, strain your your voice with any yelling. No, it's fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, 
unbelievable promo here from Joe. Like, just really great stuff. And uh, later in the show, they promoted AJ will return next week to respond. And this was one of those things where I'm very much looking forward to just the promos between these two going into this. Like, Joe making it such a personal issue, but not a... Not a ridiculous one either when you introduce family stuff that often they can just get into silly territory with. Then they recapped Randy Orton's attack on Jeff Hardy, and they show him in the back applying his face paint, and they plug coming back from break that last week's Ms. and Mrs. We found out what was record-setting about it, Way. It was the highest-rated WWE reality series in the last seven years, which would be going back to the season of Tough Enough won by the meth head. So that was higher rated than Yes, that did this considerably more. Um this this uh the first week of Miz and Misses, it beat out all the episodes of Tough Enough, uh the one from a few years ago that had Hogan on it and Daniel Bryan. So it legitimately um is their highest rated reality show uh since then. Now granted they're also on the USA Network, so you really can only compare them with the Tough Enoughs. It's not really a fair comparison to the the ones on E, which is a much lower-rated network. But a fact nonetheless for Ms. and Mrs. Well, congrats. Jeff Hardy came out. He said the U.S. title is more than just that. It's a life force. My fifth eye. So we got Matt Seidel with his third eye, and Jeff Hardy's got five. Could you imagine these two having a match? <laughs> The eight eyes of Jeff Hardy and Matt Seidel, which sounds like the most bizarre car ride ever. Mm. I would pity the person that was the uh, the person to be put on ride along with them. You wouldn't have to worry about blind spots, though. He said, it deepens my connection with you, the WWE Universe, this U.S. title. And a piece of him was severed when he lost it. Severed way. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, yeah, your ear was nearly severed two weeks ago. And he says the one thing that means more than getting his title back is beating the hell out of Randy Orton. So he calls him out, and Orton enters, stares at Hardy, and then Shinsuke Nakamura appears from the floor and jumps Hardy from behind. Orton then stands in front of Nakamura, blocking the Kinshasa. They have a stare down, and then he s- steps away and allows Nakamura to hit Hardy with the Kinshasa. Then another stare down with Orton and Nakamura and Nakamura takes off. So Randy is setting up for the RKO, but then instead he just sweeps Jeff by the legs and he won't hit the RKO. He won't give the people the RKO. I love it. Great stuff. I love that he's playing around with the crowd's expectations. It just makes him a, a, a greater heel. I mean, I'm wondering if he will debut a different finisher instead the leg sweep uh, he just did it here i guess so grab his leg and (laughs) throw him on do a back bump yeah sure then he just stomped the hell out of hardy hit him with a draping ddt off the middle rope then a draping ddt onto the floor he clears the announce desk takes off hardy's armbands rips off his shirt tears off the man's necklace and it's got a hardy logo on it and i would say if randy was doing this character Mm, a decade ago, he would have stabbed Jeff Hardy with this thing. But in 2018, he got water. And he he was like going to waterboard Jeff Hardy, it seemed like. He poured water onto his face, wiped off his face paint, which I'd be like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, that saves me some time. And Randy just gets into his face and says, Enigma erased. And he left with the necklace. Mm-hmm. The power source. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought this was so awesome. I thought it was so psychological and so full of depth. The fact that this man grabbed water and went to wipe Jeff Hardy's face paint off. He got so much heat for wiping face paint off of a man. And it's like the equivalent of, I guess, stripping him of his identity or the equivalent of taking a mask off of a luchador. And the best part is that neither man had to take a big bump in order to achieve a reaction like this. I just thought this was wonderful. This Orton-Jeff feud, to me, is is making up for everything that went wrong with the Orton and Bray and Orton and Gender feuds. So keep more of this coming. I love this Randy Orton. Yeah, Orton's just in the zone uh, with this character, it feels. Becky Lynch came out of her locker room, and she's interviewed by Renee. She's happy that Charlotte is back, but... 
uh, notes that she now has this golden opportunity, and if she wins, those odds, those odds are going to decrease. And she admits that she's not happy about the chances of this becoming a triple threat because she knows one-on-one she can beat Carmella, and a third person just throws a curveball into all of that. But she refuses to root against her best friend. So they're stacking the odds against Becky now, not just by using Carmella, but by using her own best friend against her. And I think that's brilliant because Carmella on her own really does not serve that much of a threat. Charlotte does. And by using Becky's own best friend, who really Becky has been complaining about not receiving opportunities. A big part of that reason is because she shares a locker room with Charlotte Flair. Charlotte is really the one that's been taking a lot of these opportunities away from her. But Becky can't really say that because, you know, she's her best friend. Um, They introduced that rivalry really subtly here. I thought Becky was wonderful, adding a lot of ums into her response as as she tries to pretend that she's happy for Charlotte. Uh, I think it's a great way to further establish Becky as an underdog, not just against the heels, but against her friends as well. And of course, teasing a future title match between these two. Uh, I just thought this was communicated so clearly, yet quite subtly for a pro wrestling show that I'm almost shocked because I know this is the same company that is, is responsible for Bailey and Sasha. Yet the potential for this for this Charlotte Becky feud is at the at the beginning stages, at the very least. Maybe I shouldn't get my hopes up too high, but at the beginning. It's showing great signs of far more sophistication. Oh, and you brought up subtlety, which is rarely a word we ever use uh, describing WWE. But, I mean, this whole story has been Becky has had to beat everybody and then had to go through a non-title match to finally get her first title match since WrestleMania 33, a year and a half ago. And here her best friend shows up tonight. And is going to have a chance for a title with one match. Mm-hmm. And and really, like that's something to be upset about. But I could understand Paige's motivation for giving her that title shot too, because Paige was pissed off because of that line from Carmella. So like all this that took place here, I thought was was just like bulletproof. Really well done. Lana took on Zelina Vega. Andrade Cien Almas was in Vega's corner, but we had no Rusev, who is still just trying to figure stuff out. Uh, early on, Vega did the Tranquilo pose, and then she retreated to the floor. They actually had a commercial break for this match. We came back. Vega was in control. Lana broke free, running her into the corner, hit a uh, series of running knees to Vega, uh, Vega hit, and went for the cover, and Lana's shoulders were not down properly, so the referee didn't count this at first. Lana did her comeback, which included a spin rooney for whatever reason, and then delivered these running knees to the back of the head, and Almas distracts Lana. This prompts Aiden English to run down, yanks off Almas off the apron, and it allows Zelina Vega to roll up the distracted Lana at 558, so English screws up again, Vega wins, and both Byron Saxton and Corey Graves defended Aiden English, stating he was just trying to help. Hmm. I know this match was necessary for for the English uh, Rusev Day storyline, but the match really was quite bad. And I think that's unfortunate because somebody like Lana, I know, has probably been looking for a lot more opportunities to show her growth as a wrestler. Uh, And she really needed to impress here, but she did not. And I'll say neither did Vega, although I feel like I've seen Vega do better in the past and I hope she gets another chance. But this match, to me, derailed an otherwise nearly flawless edition of SmackDown up until this point. Yeah, this was this was not great. Um, I also didn't even like the idea of having these two women have a match so soon. I think that if like the audience really got into those two brawling the other week on SmackDown, that I would have saved this for whether it be a mixed tag that they're building up to at SummerSlam, something like that, uh, rather than just a singles match of – I think there were other ways you could have got around uh, whatever story you were telling, and they were out there for a long time. They got six I, minutes on this show. Yeah, I'd be far more confident in this in a mixed tag than another one-on-one setting. Bludgeon Brothers cut a promo uh, with their titles. They will break the bar and positively shatter the new day, whichever team wins. They're also in the boiler room. Yeah, everyone was hanging out. You mean that's where catering was? Uh, possibly. Aiden apologizes to Lana backstage. She tells him to just F off. He disappears, and Rusev is storming in the back, looking for Aiden, and he tells Lana that never would have happened if I was out there. 
And Lana says, I understand you need to figure everything out, but I could have used you out there. And she leaves. Yeah, an all right week for this story. I mean, I think it was totally overshadowed by some much better writing and more interesting storylines on this show, though. Daniel Bryan came out to promote... First of all, promote the all-women's pay-per-view, of course. And he mentioned thinking of his wife, Brie, who was in the 30-second match when the Give Divas a Chance hashtag began. She's, he said he was really proud of Brie for being in that match. And, I mean, I don't know if that's something I would put on my resume. But I don't know. To me, this felt like a really weird and kind of forced way to get Brian to plug this pay-per-view using his wife. Yes. And then he reminded us that he did an angle last week involving a decoy baby. And he mentions all the taunting by Miz when he wasn't cleared, so he didn't have to worry about any repercussions. Then he was cleared, and the protective wall came down, and Miz used his wife and baby for protection. And in a fair fight, he would destroy the Miz and challenge his Miz to prove he's wrong because he wants to punch him in the face. So the Miz appears on the screen. He doesn't come out. He's with security. He says, this isn't the indies and a high school gym where you can call me out, and I'm just going to run out there. He has to earn the right to face him and contact his agent. He's on location for Ms. and Mrs. that he repeats was the highest rated reality series in seven years. It's gone from WWE reality series to just any reality series. And he's throwing the baby shower on Ms. and Mrs. tonight. He calls, Brian calls Ms. a coward for not showing up. Ms. says, the last time you called me a coward was on Ms. TV. And did you punch me then? No, you walked away. Because you've just attached yourself to me through this conflict to keep yourself relevant when you don't want to fight me. And it took Brian 10 years on the indies to get here, whereas Miz got here right away. Brian says, let's be honest. You're never going to be The Rock. You're never going to be John Cena. And no one will ever remember you as a great superstar because you're too soft. But if you need a big stage, then why don't you take me on at SummerSlam? And Miz says that the yes movement is over. Just let your contract expire and go entertain dozens of people in high schools. Be quiet and go away. Because when people look at you, they see one thing. And we got all of these babies crying at once on the screen. Mm-hmm. I thought the baby photos were a bit much and kind of unnecessary. Like, to me, I thought they were crafting a really serious uh, exchange of dialogue here. Um, I don't know if I needed that, but the rest of it I thought was really good. You know, this wasn't necessarily on the level of maybe some of the more uh, realistic feeling, I think, uh, exchanges these two have had in the past. Uh, certainly nothing close to what they did on Talking Smack. But for a scripted segment, I thought there were some really well done lines here. Uh I loved all the stuff finally bringing up, uh, you know, Talking Smack, NXT. Uh, you, both had really good ammunition in their battle. It did, however, though, again, just kind of feel like to me a VO session for these video packages. But, I mean, I'm listening to these words and I'm already looking forward to this video package with all this footage of, you know, their their long history together. So, uh, unfortunately, a fumbled ending in my opinion, but otherwise uh, well scripted. I, I thought I, I thought both were, were- Pretty good here with the, this promo. I'm with you on the babies thing. It was just kind of, I don't know. It, it kind of just seems like someone's random idea that got approved that didn't really fit the tone of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I kind of like the fact that they introduced the contract stuff because that's some great ammunition that you can use for the remaining two weeks before SummerSlam. Like you could make that um, something for the Miz, like a bullet in his chamber that. You have your contract coming up. Why haven't you? Uh, I think that they can go different directions with that. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, um, even with this said, not the best promo on the show. There was some heavy oh, competition no. on this show. Yeah. Uh, they plugged AJ. He returns next week on the show. And then Renee interviewed Carmella right before the main event. And she knows she can beat Becky one-on-one. And she also knows that Becky is rooting against Charlotte. She doesn't believe their friendship is legit. Main event, Carmella, Charlotte, non-title. Charlotte teased the figure four early, and they go to the floor. Charlotte was sent into the barricade. They went to commercial. Big promo for Ronda Rousey's match on Raw. And then we came back, and Charlotte is delivering these chops. And Graves was stating that it looks like Charlotte is off a step from this time off. 
And then she went for a moonsault, landed on the boots of Carmella. They go to the floor, and Charlotte is thrown into the timekeeper's area, and Carmella just races into the ring. Another person that I think has been watching uh, G1 teased finishes, and Charlotte got in at the count of eight, which far less dramatic way than getting in at 18 or 19. Mm. Becky is watching this backstage, and then Charlotte comes back, gets a series of near falls, very frustrated, and then they go to the floor. Charlotte hits a moonsault off the barricade and then hit the natural selection inside the ring, comes up with a two count, and is also bleeding from the mouth here. She went for a spear, nailed with a knee by Carmella. Charlotte responds and drops her, and then it's Carmella that attempts the figure four, but Charlotte reverses, turns it into the figure eight, and Carmella taps at 1244, and they cut to Becky, just looking disappointed backstage, and Becky, the final shot is her disappointment turning into anger. And this was all done without words. And I thought it was mm-hmm. really effective. Becky Becky and Joe were, were my co-MVPs of SmackDown. And this concluded uh, one of the best SmackDowns I've watched in a long time. I thought the mm. show was tremendous. I completely agree. I would put Randy Orton up there as well uh, as my top three stars of this show. Uh, they were all fantastic. This match of her main event, I, I wasn't a big fan of. That said, though, it didn't seem to matter the, to this crowd because they were buzzing for the entire thing. And I think it's something that's, you know, like we're, we're it's, it, it's, it's really cool that, you know, we're at a, a time now where we, like, I feel like the women's programs took up half this show and it wasn't a big deal at all. They main evented and it wasn't a big deal at all. So, um, I think it, it kind of bodes well for this pay per view they have coming up for the two of, uh, for the women's division. So, you know, I, I thought that I wouldn't want a triple threat match between, um, you know, for the women's title. I kind of tend to favor one on one matches, but I don't hate this at all. I think Charlotte being in the match makes it bigger. And, you know, make no mistake, the push here is all for Becky. They're giving her, in my opinion, the Chris Benoit push at WrestleMania 20 by stacking the odds against him. Or sorry, was that 20? Yeah, 20. Yeah. Uh, By stacking the odds against him in a triple threat with both Sean and Triple H. Meanwhile, I think everybody wants Becky to win. So I think the match will be better because of Charlotte being in there. It makes it that much more interesting with uh, this kind of best friend uh, rivalry that they have between the two of them. And I really like the way that they got there on this episode. So I'm with you. I thought uh, one of the best additions of SmackDown this year. This was like I, I'm always a very big fan of Becky Lynch. But this episode felt like you've really got something special with this woman beyond just being a really talented performer. Like she could really break through as that baby face that is just loved by the entire audience um Mm -hmm. i really i really hope they don't go the way of you know charlotte wins this title and this you know leads to a becky turn i would never turn this woman at least not now she is so great as a baby face that i really hope that's not uh in the plans i hope your scenario is more the likely destination I hope so. I hope so too. I feel like they were kind of searching for for Becky's voice these past few weeks, uh, but I feel like they really kind of hit it and they hit it pretty hard on this one. So I, I look forward to seeing the rest of this uh, build. My biggest question coming out of SmackDown, though, way, mm-hmm. what will Oscar be doing on Sunday, August nineteenth? Um, who's missing on the roster? Naomi. Um, who else is? Uh, We've got um, Sonya Deville and yeah. Mandy Rose. Like yeah. that's the level you're talking about for Oscar, who feels like the odd woman out on SmackDown. She might be. Uh, I don't know. Just, uh, could, could she not be on the show? She could be not on the show. Yeah. Like her story's no. kind of been told, and she doesn't necessarily have a. I don't necessarily even see there being that much TV time to tell a story for her. So, no. is there a need for her to be on the show this week? Maybe not. Yeah, and maybe maybe she will be programless going through SummerSlam. But a uh, really, really good episode of SmackDown. Uh, I really enjoyed this show. Uh, outside of, you know, Zelina Vega and Lana, would that be the low point of the show and the rest? I mm-hmm. I thought the rest of the show delivered pretty, pretty well. They really built up SummerSlam well, I thought. Scale of 0 to 10 way, not 1 to 10, 0 to 10. What, do you have a prediction? Uh, I'm going 8 on this show. I'm going above eight as well. And if if it's under eight, please don't disappoint me. A seven five. 
Oh man, tough crowd, but okay, sure. That's, that's the pretty Lana good. effect. That that was that spinneroony. Yeah. Did she not feel like she felt like a wrestler that had just like a fan that won a contest when she was doing that move? She, she really felt like well, she's a break dancer. That's or she does like some type of that type of thing, and it's kind of. It got the biggest reaction of the whole match for her, at least, in terms of her offense. So I don't necessarily hate it incorporate, being incorporated. Does it necessarily fit the character? I guess not really. Well, let's go to the feedback. Rich in Winnipeg. Overall, a fairly strong episode tonight with the emphasis on the women's title story. A nice change for TV this week with good promos from Joe, Miz, and Brian, and a decent match from The Bar and Usos. With SmackDown doing the better quality show from WWE, do you find that you look more forward towards Tuesdays now more than Mondays? Awesome job on the G1 shows. And Way, are you caught up on Saga? No, not yet. I, I have a huge uh, probably um, pile waiting for me at uh, BMV, so I'll be picking oh. that up. And uh, no, I tend to read them in chunks, so not fully caught up yet. Uh, do I look more forward to Tuesdays? I think I have for a long time now, simply because it's a shorter show. So, uh, but they're both about about the same for me. You? Um, I, I can't say I'm. Uh, I, I go into either show. I, I'm always. Uh, I'm an optimist. I go into each show hoping that uh, it's going to be an entertaining one. But raw. When I when I look down and it's nine thirty five on a Monday night, that's a that's a struggle sometimes to know that we are only halfway through this show, uh, where SmackDown tends to breeze by, and I think that's somewhat accentuated by how long Raw is the night before. Mm. We go to Mark from Vaughn. This wasn't a bad show by any means, but I'm beginning to think that in some weeks, SmackDown gets a bump in ratings on this forum simply for not being raw. I liked Orton's performance again tonight, but the dynamic between he and Nakamura was hard to decipher. Question, if you were booking the Raw and SmackDown women's title matches for Evolution, what would you be shooting for? I'd like to see Ronda versus Natalia and Becky versus Asuka. Um, certainly Ronda's your big match. I don't know if I don't I don't Natalia know if Natalia is that big of a match. No, I think it it has to be like that's your marquee match, and I would say it ha- it should be Ronda against against either uh, somebody on the on the level of a Charlotte, or I would have said Asuka in the past, maybe not so much now. Um, I could see I, I could see them doing intra promotional and Ronda <laughs> and Charlotte for that pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it has to be almost a WrestleMania caliber match that you would give for Ronda in order to headline a show like that. I think uh, obviously it'll be the most important match on that show. Yep. And really, it has to be a match that will be enough to hook all your viewers, not just the women, but the men as well who uh, might might have never purchased a, an all-women show before. So do you think there's anything to uh, maybe this four-horse women versus four-horse women idea? Mm, I'm not the biggest fan of that idea for that pay-per-view. Um, I mean, it's it's something you could do. I just don't know. Mm. I, I think you'd have it's, to put a lot a lot of stuff on hold. I mean, you're, you're teasing Bailey and Sasha possibly feuding at the end of all of this. No, you're they're not. not. No, they're not. They're best friends. They are this week. You're right. Um, though I, I think that entire feud is leading up to... Uh, Maybe Bailey turning on her and saying, mm-hmm. "I never, I never responded to you that night." But Sasha, I hate you. What? Instead of "I love you," which Sasha oh, told her, Bailey oh, never said it. it back to her. Oh, um, right, okay. And now you're teasing stuff with, with Becky and Charlotte. I don't know. I just, I don't think it's really been introduced all that well. I don't think you could do that. I just, I don't think I'd put Ronda in that match. I think Ronda could be used uh, for a much bigger <laughs> selling feature. It's true, and like Jessamine and, and Marina are both so new too that it'd be a, a, a tough, tough situation to expect them to be in a headlining show. Marina just so. had her very first match this past yeah. week, so mm-hmm. that's a that's a big ask. Um, but you know, I, I also look forward to seeing maybe what type of uh, thing they'll do, if any, between Shayna and Ronda, and I could even see that being Shayna's you know, uh, last kind of NXT deal before she gets brought up. Cause I think she, she's kind of had, uh, already like pretty decent run in NXT. And I almost feel like she's ready for the main roster. Do you see her dropping the title to, uh, Kyrie Sane at takeover? If not at this takeover, then maybe a, another one. 
the next one after this at Survivor Series. Or Survivor Series, I guess, is after this women's show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe at the women's show she drops it. Yeah, that's a tough turnaround. It's going to be interesting how NXT does that because they tape ahead that October 28th is three weeks before Survivor Series. So they are going to have to have an NXT title program that peaks for October 28th. And then, I mean, I imagine they probably have tapings coming out of that. And they're going to have just a few weeks to set up their TakeOver women's program. So Mm. that'll be a bit of a balancing act for NXT, which is more kind of everything is set in stone because they tape in advance. But it's so much easier, I think, on that show because you just have to, like, put good matchups on paper on, on for the crowd, and I think people will, will get into it for the most part. Um, who's up next? Me? Uh, Connor. Connor. Connor from Minneapolis. Solid 7 out of 10 episode. Not a great show, but an acceptably enjoyable episode with a strong storyline building to the main event. I don't know about everybody else out there. I thought this was one of the better SmackDowns of the year. I thought this was a really good show. Uh, SmackDown's tag division, while it has its faults, is night and day when compared to Raw's. Orton and Nakamura's small interaction during the Hardy stuff was interesting. Not sure exactly where they're... I think it's pretty simple that they're going with a three-way there. The whole show-long angle with Becky, Charlotte, and Carmella was well-paced and built to an interesting place. They have a lot of potential places to go to at SummerSlam, and I'm just hoping they don't make Charlotte and Becky into another Sasha Bailey fiasco. Question, is there any word on the likelihood of Nakamura going back to New Japan, given the interest in bringing him back, and given the state of female heels on SmackDown? Do you see WWE doing something crazy and turning Becky or going with a more safe but obvious choice in Charlotte or Asuka? Um, Starting with Nakamura... I would be very, very surprised if at this stage of his career, he would go back to Japan. I mean, he uprooted his whole family to come over here. Um, he's making very good money. I I don't see him going back to New Japan. That one would be not completely out of the realm of possibility, but that one would really surprise me, um, just given how old he is now and all of the changes. Like, he's 38 now. Um, that would be mm-hmm. a tough move to go back there. You mean for the style? For the style, but also just for, um, you know, moving back to Japan after you've brought your whole family over here. I mean, that's that's a big change to, to have to make. And a lot of money he'd be leaving, potentially, the, the top-end money that he would be giving up in WWE to go back to New Japan, where he'd have a very healthy contract, but it would be, you know, the upside of WWE, I think, is a much better fit for him at 38 than uh, going back to New Japan now. I just think the guy loves surfing so much and probably really enjoys uh, surfing in America, so I see him staying. And turning... I I think turning Asuka is certainly um, an option at this point. Certainly, yeah. I I, I personally would love to see Charlotte. I think she's more effective as a heel. Um, Even maybe... I mean, Asuka as a heel on her own, I think they really need to find, you know, that that voice that works for her, similar to how they found it with uh, Nakamura. Um, Asuka really needs somebody or something in order to kind of make her stand on her own. Uh, Maybe that person is is Charlotte. Who knows? But I I do see Charlotte being the heel more so uh, than, than any of the others. That's what we go to Paul Heyman with Oscar. I don't hate that. I really don't. Robert from Bonnetburn three one one or one three one four. I felt about SmackDown was an overall fantastic show tonight and really enjoyed it. I thought the show ran along with a good pace and the promo between the Miz and Daniel Bryan was outstanding. This is my first time posting, but I've listened since review and impact with you both reviewing it. Thank you both and keep up the great work, guys. All right, MJ who is our Espresso executive producer this Friday on Rewind Away. Did I hear the Usos correctly? SmackDown is PG-13? Do you think they would do this when it moves to Fox? I think Nakamura's heel work has elevated him to another level during his WWE tenure. Also, for some reason, Carmella tonight got serious, and it made her credible to me after months of being a joke champion. I also had a thought during Hardy's promo. There needs to be a Ballard Demon versus Jeff Hardy feud at some point. It does feel the last few weeks, SmackDown continues to transform into a main card version of NXT. We don't see everyone every week, and the storylines seem thought out and build on itself. It's been enjoyable to watch. Uh, is SmackDown PG thirteen? No, it is. It is PG, and I don't think that is a uh, that is changing. All right, cool. So that's it. All right, well, pretty entertaining edition of SmackDown that we got to talk about tonight. Uh, but wait, 
for those that are just packing it in tonight, there is no shortage of John and Way coming up this week, is there? Not at all, because tomorrow morning we'll be back uh, very early with a G1 Climax review of the next show, which is a B-Block show, if I'm not mistaken. B-Block, yes. Yes, of course. Kenny Omega versus Zack Sabre Jr. And what's the other match that's headlining that show? Oh, we have uh, Kota Bushi against Hiroki Goto. Great. Wonderful. Uh, really looking forward to that. That'll be up in the Post Wrestling Cafe. Thursday, we have another uh, G1 show as well, uh, also on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Uh, Friday, we're going to take a break, but we'll be back with our edition of Rewind Away, where John and I will be reviewing Being the Elite, the Young Bucks YouTube series. We'll be having a general discussion about uh, a wide number of episodes, but uh, in particular, some, most of the episodes in the first year of its, exist- its two-year existence. So if you have any thoughts on that, and if you're a cafe member, just post them up in the uh, thread. Uh, even ask questions, and we'll do our best to answer them. So that's um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, cafe shows every day. Actually, even Saturday, we have another cafe show because we're back with another G1 show. I'll be joined by WH Park because John will be uh, busy that day. And on Sunday, another G1 Climax review, this time with Fraser Marriott, a gentleman who is attending every single show of this G1 tour in Japan. So I'll be getting his uh, his update on his mental condition. If you actually uh, – quick, quick plug. Uh, if you want more info on Fraser and what this man is doing as an experiment, I highly recommend the Super Jcast that's available on the Voices of Wrestling Network. They did a whole interview with Fraser talking about his mental state. So get introduced to the man before you hear him review a show on Sunday then. Cool. Well, you can check that out. And then the week will end on Sunday. I'll be back doing a review of UFC 227 with Ziggy and Phil. So you can check yeah. that out as well on the uh, free feed. Yes, as, as well uh, on the free feed. Of course, we'll work backwards since you uh, introduced something on sun- Sunday. Saturday, on the free feed, we have another edition of Eggshells, the podcast companion from Chris Charlton. This one featuring some some dude, some dude who's not that good at talking. His name the is Wei- who, The man who's everywhere this week. The, his name is Wei Ting, yes, so a double shot of me. Uh, everywhere, yes. Uh, I will be joining Chris Charlton on this edition of Eggshells. We'll be talking 1995, uh, the UWFI's invasion of New Japan Pro Wrestling and their match at the at the Tokyo Dome, uh, as well as a whole number of like we covered like three different shows on that on, on that podcast. So do en- uh, listen to that. Let me know how I did. If I sounded like an idiot or if I knew what I was talking about. And then Thursday. This is a big week, I think, not just for uh, all of us and our coverage, but also for Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, who are probably in the midst right now as you're li- listening to this of their move to in together from uh, they're moving in together into a basement oh apartment God. and they're going to try to find some time in between that move in order to watch and review NXT for all of you. So do subscribe to their feed up next. So much stuff to check out. Go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. If you sign up now, $6 carries you over for the entire month and will include all of our remaining G1 shows. Rewind away this week uh, so you will not be shut out of anything. Uh, we've also got a double shot up from Monday night reviewing Impact and the season finale of Total Bellas along with Being the Elite and uh, an extended edition of Rewind a Raw. So you can go check all of that out and we will be back Wednesday chatting the G1.